welcome to this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary and Thorne, and we are breaking down everything you need to know for Tuesday, April the 27th, and the 13-game featured slate over on DraftKings. But before we get to that, as we always do, we're going to start off the show with some prize picks. Want to remind you guys, the promo code MMNMLB will get your first deposit matched up to $100 over at prizepicks.com. But you've already gone to prizepicks.com, you've already made that first deposit, and you've likely made some money because we've been pretty good here at Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets about giving some winners over at Prize Picks. Hopefully we've got two more winners for Tuesday's slate. I'm going to start things off with Manny Machado. Eight and a half is his fantasy point prop. I am taking the over. This is strictly a play against Merrill Kelly, who has been among the worst starters in baseball so far in 2021. In fact, through four starts, Merrill Kelly, 648 expected slugging percentage, a 419 expected WOBA, And he's in the lower 6% of baseball when it comes to strikeout rate. That means a lot of opponent contact, and so far that contact has been very, very good, particularly right-handed batters. Kelly's had a hard time in right-on-right matchups, and even though Machado is someone who tends to hit better against left-handed pitching, I'm going to take him in this matchup right-on-right because so far, through those four starts, RHBs are hitting 362 with a 417 Woba off of Merrill Kelly. You could take Fernando Tatis at 9.5. That's a perfectly fine play as well. But Machado, you're getting a little bit lighter line at the 8.5. I think he has a pretty nice game and gets over that number pretty easily against Kelly and the Diamondbacks. Second play I like on Tuesday, Keston Hira. I will take the under seven fantasy points in his matchup against the Marlins. Of the Marlins pitchers he could draw, this is probably the best possible matchup. Dan Castano is not exactly someone that I'm looking to avoid, uh, you know, generally speaking, on an MLB slate. However, here is just, he's, he's an automatic fade at this point. I mean, among the 148 hitters in baseball with at least 70 plate appearances, Keston has a 50 WRC plus. That is the sixth lowest mark within that grouping. Yes, he had three hits in a game this weekend, but that's about the only sign of life we have seen from this guy so far this season. Generally speaking, this Milwaukee offense has been underwhelming. He's been a big part of that. I don't think they're going to score a lot of runs against the Marlins on Tuesday. And also, even though Castano is not exactly good, uh, he's not really someone who generates a lot of swings and misses either, which is Hira's biggest issue, he's fine. And Hira's never had that much luck against left-handed pitching. He, for his career, has an OPS of just 694 against Southpaws, even though he is a right-handed batter. So until Hira shows me something, until he really breaks out of this slump that he's been mired in for all of April, I'm just going to keep picking against him, especially... If we're not getting a six, a six and a half, a five, uh, like he has usually been listed on prize picks. So Hira under seven fantasy points. I will take the over on Machado at eight and a half fantasy points over on prize picks. Okay, let's get to that 13 game slate because obviously there is a lot to talk about on a slate this size. 
And I think we have to start the conversation with the four stud starting pitchers we have at the top of the pricing list. Max Scherzer is 10900 He's going up against the Blue Jays in Dunedin. Walker Bueller is 10200 He's going up against the Cincinnati Reds. You've got Lucas Giolito at 9-5 against the Tigers, and then Christian Javier against Seattle at 9300 First impression that I'm taking from this slate, Giolito is going to be popular. I'm okay with that. Um, I think that the Tigers right now are just such a viable DFS matchup that it's almost hard for me to suggest avoiding Giolito. Uh, maybe some people will be scared off by his last start against Boston. Lasted just one inning, gave up eight earned runs, didn't strike out anybody. Um, but I think we as, we as a baseball community have kind of just decided we're going to write that off to the 11 a.m. start time. Uh, Giolito noted night person, night owl, uh, not a very happy morning person. So, uh, I don't know. Let's just forget that start. He's obviously better than whatever pitcher showed up, uh, on Patriots day. And I think he's going to be able to do very, very well in this spot against the trip. Because as I mentioned, coming into Monday across the last 14 days for Detroit, they have the highest strikeout rate in all of baseball at 29.9%. They have the highest swinging strike rate in baseball at 14.2%, and their 75 WRC plus as a team in that span of time is the second lowest mark in all of baseball. This is a great matchup for any pitcher, especially one of the pedigree of Lucas Giolito. So at 9,500, that's the other key factor here. He's sub 10,000, so he's going to be popular no matter the matchup, and the matchup happens to be fantastic. So I think we're probably looking at 30 to 35% ownership on Giolito. I'm still willing to invest just because I think he's going to be fantastic in this spot. I will say he's going to be super popular and it might take some attention away from Scherzer. Now, there's also a chance uh, this matchup with the Blue Jays, there's a lot of speculation that at the very least George Springer will make his Blue Jays debut on Tuesday. Maybe Teoscar Hernandez is back in this lineup as well. And suddenly that becomes a very scary lineup. And and maybe if people see, oh, George Springer's back. I know Vladdy's been doing well, et cetera, et cetera. They try to avoid this spot. If Springer's back, he's going to be rusty. And what a way to be welcomed back into Major League Baseball than Max Scherzer, who across his last 22 innings has allowed one earned run and is striking out everybody. So, you know, Scherzer's always viable. And I think this could be a spot where maybe some people are scared off a little bit because of the matchup, because of the fact the win expectancy is a little low. I mean, the Nationals' offense has been terrible since they lost Juan Soto, so it's not like you're getting that four-point bonus handed to you on a silver platter with Max Scherzer at 10900 He kind of needs those four points uh, if he's really going to bring back value. So it's a spot maybe some people avoid, and maybe that opens up an opportunity in GPPs to get Scherzer at a little bit lower ownership than you normally would, especially if Springer is back in the lineup, because I do think that's going to scare a couple people away. Um, the interesting thing about the top flight pitchers is once you get past Javier, it really falls off a cliff. There, there are some bad, bad pitchers going to the mound on Tuesday, and the issue with finding a value pitcher on this slate is so many of the good matchups you would generally just blindly try and mine are pitchers that are almost unusable for the purposes of DFS. I mean, you think about it, as I mentioned, Washington has been terrible 
absolutely awful since they lost Juan Soto on the offensive side of things. But you can't use a Toronto pitcher because they're going with a bullpen day. I mean, Trent Thornton might throw three innings. It's possible. We'll probably see some Tommy Malone. You might see some Anthony Kay. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Blue Jays, and they have off days on Monday and Thursday, so they really can kind of go with this two-inning approach. I don't think anyone's going to throw enough pitches in that game to be DFS viable. Uh, and there's going to be huge risk, obviously, involved with anyone you play uh, from that Blue Jay bullpen. So you can't use Washington. Adrian Hauser's going up against Milwaukee. Um, Hauser just doesn't have any strikeout upside at all. I mean, regardless of how bad the Marlins have been against right-handed pitching so far this season, you can't use the guy for his price point because he's just not going to supply you with enough strikeouts. Same goes for Aaron Sanchez, who's going up against Colorado in San Francisco. Like, that on paper is a fantastic matchup. Colorado has not been hitting anywhere this season, let alone away from Coors. But Sanchez, despite how good he has pitched so far with the Giants, that lack of velocity, he was never a striker pitcher to begin with, and now with no velocity, he has been having a really hard time missing bats. So you've got two worries there. One, he's not going to pro provide enough upside just because he doesn't generate any strikeouts. And two, at some point, the luck might run out with Sanchez because the stuff doesn't look great. And again, he's allowing a lot of opponent contact. The one guy who I might be inclined to get a little piece of, uh, when we're talking about just pure value punts, I already mentioned him, Dan Castano. He's $6,400. The Brewers offense, it's average at best. And they also have the highest strikeout rate in baseball against left-handed pitching at 32.1%. Castano has two strikeouts combined in his first two starts of the season. So again, very low strikeout upside on his own merit. But maybe this is a matchup where he can derive a little bit of strikeout upside from the fact that the Brewers tend to swing and miss at everything. The guy that I'm actually kind of zeroing in on is Frankie Montas. And that's a name that's it's 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 risky. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he had a terrible start against the Twins last Wednesday, but the two starts prior to that were really good, and he scored at least 20 DraftKings points in both of those outings. And the numbers, at least from the standpoint of you're looking for an archetype of a guy who's relatively cheap who could bring back upside. Well, Montas is only $7,300. He's averaging over a strikeout per inning so far this season. The walk rate is low. The velocity is fantastic. It's actually better than we've seen it in years past. He's averaging over 96 miles an hour on his fastball right now. 12.3% swinging strike rate. You know, you could do worse. You could do worse. Is there potential that Montas blows up against Tampa Bay? And, you know, Tampa's offense hasn't been exactly inspiring the past four or five days. Sure, there is that potential. However, there's also vast amounts of upside when it comes to Montas, which is not something you can say for a lot of the pitchers on this slate. Speaking of, let's talk about some stacks. And we will start with the Padres because we already talked about Merrill Kelly, so we don't have to get into it too, too much. The thing with the Padres is obviously if I'm suggesting using Lucas Giolito and maybe using Max Scherzer in lineups, it's an expensive stack. Um, you know, Tatis is $5,400. Uh, Grisham is $5,100. But aside from those two guys, it's really not like astronomical prices. Machado's under 5 k so is Hosmer. Um, you know, you could get Will Myers at a reasonable price. Jake Cronenworth, who's probably going to hit sixth in this game, has a nice left-on-right matchup in this spot. He's only $3,500, so there are ways to sort of make that Padres stack a little bit more palatable uh, from an economic standpoint. So 
you know, obviously the top tier guys are the top tier guys, but you can find some value there. And another team I think you can do that with a little bit, uh, going back to this Oakland game, is the Athletics. Um, specifically Mark Canna, who is probably going to hit leadoff in this game. He's just $3,900. You've also got like a nice left-handed bat in Seth Brown, who's relatively cheap. Mitch Moreland is someone I've talked about a couple times uh, on this show. He's $3,000 uh, in a matchup against Michael Waka. And, you know, Waka wasn't horrible in his last start against the Royals, but he also wasn't that great. And the advanced numbers through his first four appearances with the Rays are not very kind. Uh, right now, Waka actually has allowed the third most barrels per plate appearance in all of baseball, up at 10.8%. So he's given up a lot of loud contact and gave up a couple home runs in his last start against a Royals team that doesn't exactly have a lot of power against right-handed pitching. So I think the Athletics can definitely get some damage done here, especially considering how hot their offense has been as of late. All right, speaking of hot offenses, as we move to the best bets portion of this video for Tuesday, let's talk about the White Sox. We've had a little bit of luck betting these uh, team to score first and win props on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, we've hit one with the Dodgers. Uh, we also hit one last week. So I'm going to go back to that well where we are 2-0 so far this season and say that with Lucas Giolito taking the mound for the White Sox, uh, and the Tigers' offense struggling as of late. Uh, I think that Chicago will not only score first, but definitely win this game. And look, if you're just going to bet Chicago on the money line, I believe it's around minus 250. So this at least gives you some value at plus 110 if they are able to score first. And I don't think they're going to be able to do much against Giolito. And Chicago's offense, the past seven days, leads baseball with a 144 WRC+. plus. So if Giolito can put up a couple of zeros early, and you give this Chicago team a couple cracks at Jose Urena, I think they're going to be able to put a run on the board. So I just really like that side of it as opposed to eating a ton of VIG if you're just going to bet Chicago on the money line or possibly throw them into a parlay or something like that. The other bet I really like, another game we've already touched on, Washington-Toronto. Um, eight and a half is the over-under in this game. That seems really high for a Max Scherzer start, especially considering... You know how much, not only Washington, but Toronto has struggled on offense as of late. Again, Springer might be back. Maybe Teoscar Hernandez is back. Whatever. That obviously does increase the Jays' chances of having a good offense. But you know what decreases their chances of putting up some runs on Tuesday? Max freaking Scherzer, who again has allowed one earned run his last 22 innings, uh, going back to the final three innings of his opening day appearance. So Scherzer can probably <laughs> neutralize and do most of the lifting, the heavy lifting, for this particular prop. But I will take that under at minus 110, uh, especially considering Washington ap across the last seven days has a .65 isolated power and a 46 WRC+. plus. So am I thrilled the Jays are having a bullpen game? No. But it should also be noted the Jays have one of the best bullpen ERAs in all of baseball. So it's kind of strength versus strength when you look at this pitching matchup Neither team is hitting all that well. And the under is 4-0-1 in the Nationals' last five games. It is 7-1 in the Jays' last eight games. So really hot under with both of these teams. I will keep riding that prop and say we go under 8.5 on Tuesday. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks. Once again, that promo code is MMNMLB if you're looking to have the first 
deposit matched up to $100. I am Gary and Thorne. Thank you so much for watching this edition of the show. I will catch you next time.